Welcome into another News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney here. Justin, we're getting ready for the second preseason game of the year. Uh, Doug Peterson said we will see the starters for at least a little while. So that, that makes this one a little bit more interesting than that Hall of Fame game turned out to be. A couple series, possibly, um, but I'm glad. I, I am glad that we're going to get to see some of those guys. We saw, you know, a handful of those defensive guys. I mean, Trayvon Walker, that's who I wanted to see last game. He uh, was as advertised. I think, um, you know, it's funny, Doug Peterson said um, on Tuesday during uh, preseason uh, training camp that uh, he thought um, with the benefit of hindsight, the uh, Trayvon Walker penalty would not have been a penalty. And he kind of laughed about that. So, I wanted to see Trayvon last game. I wanted to see how Snoop Connor uh, ran that ball in absence of uh, James Robinson and Travis Etienne. But this game, I want to see what these starters have learned throughout training camp. I want to see how these new guys are clicking. Uh, I want to see if we're going to see Christian Kirk. He obviously was uh, out of practice on Wednesday with that rolled ankle, uh, suffered on Tuesday practices. So I want to see how some of these new guys click with each other. Um, the reps have been nice to see in practice. Travis Etienne getting walloped by Andre Cisco. We've seen some uh, excitement, some anticipation from uh, from some of these guys in camp. I want to see how these starters, uh, these guys from last year, click with these free agent guys and draft picks. And I want to see how they do against a team other than uh, the Jaguars. Yeah, the biggest thing that I'd love to take away from this game is you really want to see Trevor Lawrence go out there and look crisp and look like he's on the same page. Whether Christian Kirk plays or not, uh, you'd really like to see Trevor and that offense go out, go methodically down the field. Um, we've seen a lot of big plays with him and Zay Jones on the practice field. I mean, if they went out there and on that first drive, he hits Zay for a 40-yard bomb, I I think you pulled Trevor at that point. We've seen enough. We, You know, everybody's happy and we're done. <laughs> yeah, you know, Zay Jones has looked phenomenal during, during camp. I mean, Christian Kirk has been steady and – it catches every throwing thrown his way. Very good hands. Very good uh, route runner. Trevor's raved about his running of running of routes and patterns. But Zay Jones, to me, has looked like probably the best receiver in camp. He has caught everything. He had yeah. to me. He's, he had the catch of camp. Uh, you know, remember last week he caught about a, a 45, 50 yard bomb uh, at practice. Just a great grab uh, in double coverage too. And he has just been so sure-handed throughout training camp and you know we know what Marvin Jones can do uh we've seen LaVisca kind of the gadget play trying to get him a little bit more involved um even outside of catching the ball so I want to see Zay Jones I want to see what he can do against uh, some live competition um and you know maybe a Laquan Treadwell see how he does as well you know mm -hmm. we know what we're getting with Marvin Jones um nice to see Travis Etienne you know get some work out of the backfield too um I just I, I think we're going to run out of uh, offensive snaps for uh you know, for seeing everything we want to take out of this game. But I really want to see Trevor with uh, with that Zay Jones. I don't want to press Christian Kirk into action. Uh, if he's that ankle is ginger, you know, those uh, those ankle issues can uh, can linger on. So I would be perfectly happy with Christian Kirk sitting this one out and uh, and making Zay Jones that number one guy and see how he and Trevor connect. So, and obviously are the, the receiver issues last year well documented. Um, so let's see how Trevor does. Uh, I'm with you. I really want to see how Trevor does in year two, what he's learned. I mean, he said all the right things in the offseason, said it at practice, said it when we saw him uh, in uh, some celebrity or some charity events over the summer, just how much better he feels. He feels better physically. He's not training for the draft. He's not recovering from shoulder surgery like he was last year. 
So let's see how Trevor has grown. Let's see, you know, if it progresses more than just talk. Um, you know, it's great to say you've grown, you're improved, you've, uh, you know, you think you're in a better spot mentally and physically than you were a year ago. But let's see that live. Let's see it play out against another team. And, uh, you know, the, the talk is cheap. You know, everybody can talk at this point of year. Um, but I want to see how Trevor does against against some good competition. Yeah, and uh, elsewhere on that offense, you know, one spot that I don't think a lot of fans are going to pay very close attention to, but we'll need to watch very closely is that right tackle spot. Uh, Juwan Taylor back on the practice field now. Him and Walker Little have been rotating almost rep for rep at that right tackle spot. So uh, during the game, it'll be interesting to see how they handle getting both of those guys snaps. But I think that's the fiercest battle going on on that offense for a starting job is right there at that right tackle spot. Uh, either Taylor or Little is going to win that gig. The rest of the offense really seems almost kind of settled at this point. Um, yeah, still- you know, and we knew and we knew going in to camp, you know, that that right tackle spot would be that one of, of magnitude on the offensive line. I mean, you take right. away the center position, but we knew, we, you know, there would have to be a replacement, um, you know, after the retirements last or this past year. Um, you know, so I I think uh, outside of center, which they seem to be happy with Luke Fortner there, I think beyond uh, beyond Luke Fortner, I think there's probably some questions on who is that. Number two center, I mean, Casey McDermott has struggled. Um, you know, we know Tyler Shatley can get in there and, and kind of be a plug-and-play guy. But that right tackle position has been the one on the offensive line where you knew outside of a rookie center um, that uh, I think 1A and 1B on that offensive line uh, have been, you know, have been that center spot and that right tackle spot. We knew, we knew that. Right. So we'll really have to keep an eye on how that shakes out. Um, I'd give Walker a little kind of the edge on that right now, but Jawan Taylor, the incumbent. So he definitely has a chance to still come away with the job there. Um, on the other side of the ball, the defense last week, not a great showing in that preseason game, especially that run defense got gashed badly, but a lot of the key players on that defense, not playing. So we'll see Foyer Lewican and, you know, he, he's a tackling machine. I mean, he led the league in tackles a year ago. Even when the Jaguars have really been physical in, in practice, he's flying around the ball making stops. So he his presence alone should improve that run defense. But we definitely want to uh, see some improvement there with the unit together out on the football field. They can't be giving up those good big runs like they were and getting out physical uh, this week, not two weeks in a row. And the, and the Browns are a physical downhill football team that likes to run the ball. So it definitely won't be an easy task for them to stop it. Yeah, and it, you know, to me, I just want to see how these guys play together. And I know we're not going to have Devin Lloyd in there, and that's disappointing. And you know, I mentioned time and again how I thought he was the better first-round pick of, of the two Jaguars guys. I, I was not as high on Trayvon Walker as Devin Lloyd. I've been disappointing to not see him out there because I think he is going to bring so much to that defense uh, that really unlocks this defense or really kind of makes this defense even more nasty in that middle of the field. I mean, Trayvon Walker in that uh, linebacker mix, Josh Allen, Foyer is in there. Um, you know, Shaq Quarterman is in there, Shaq, uh, Chad Muma, uh, you know, the secondary and the, the second line of those guys. So I'm looking forward to seeing the addition of Devin Lloyd. And, you know, right now I think I want to see 15, 18 snaps of those first-team defensive guys and see how they click. I mean, uh, Trayvon Walker was such a good kind of a taste last week of what he could be um and i'm ready to see these linebackers in action i mean after last year 
this linebacking core is totally remade. And that's the part of the defense mm-hmm. that I'm looking forward to seeing how they click. There's so much talent in that linebacking core. I mean, how can there not be when you spend two first round picks on, uh, on linebackers this year? You had a huge free agent signing in Foyer. And uh, you got Josh Allen, too. So I am so looking forward to see how those linebackers develop and uh, especially looking forward to seeing them on Friday night. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this defense comes together because we really don't know what to expect from Mike Caldwell. So finally getting all the pieces last week, the full secondary played, and they talked about how the communication was really important. This week I talked to Foye Aluakin and asked him if he thought this defense could be an elite or top unit in the league. And he said, you know, when we're on, we're on. But he said, now it's about figuring out how to get on and stay on. And the I asked Doug Peterson about that, and he said, you know, the only way that you can do that is with reps on the grass together. And with so many new faces on this defense, getting some reps, even if it's just a few in a preseason game against another team where the plays count, where there's fans in the stands, that's important because, you know, that communication is very valuable when the bullets start flying. Guys have to know how to talk to each other. Andre Sisco talking today about how important his friendship with Tyson Campbell has helped their play on the field. Shaquille Griffin and Rayshon Jenkins, you know, they've talked about how playing and knowing each other basically their whole lives has helped them communicate on the field. So there, that goes for everyone along that defense. I mean, from Foyer Lewican talking to Devin Lloyd to talking to the defensive linemen, all those guys have to be able to, to move as a unit and know what the other guy's going to do. And it doesn't happen in training camp as, as no. much as you can try and simulate that. We heard from Press Taylor this week about you, you can't, you hope to be able to strategize, you know, put together a game plan and, and live action drills and stuff to replicate what they're going to see on game day. But it's just not the same thing. And even though fans hate preseason, media hates preseason, I think even the players hate preseason. It's a good thing to get that, you know, to get that those guys in lockstep, to get that symmetry going. And we heard as much uh, from Andre Sisco uh, this week when he said, you know, we look forward. You know, I, lo- I love preseason games. It gives us a chance to, you know, to kind of work things out, to work on things, to try new things um, that you're not getting to do in training camp. So I think as, as much as the general consensus is about hating preseason games, which I do hate preseason games, and I'm sure you do too. And and uh, but they are so invaluable for creating that uh, that rapport and, and that uh, that chemistry that you're going to need going forward. So even if those guys get 12, 15, 18 snaps on that defensive side of the ball together on Friday night, I am all for it. I want to see it. Uh, I want to see a a starting lineup of Jaguars, and that includes Devin Lloyd. He's not out there. We're not going to see that in full on Friday, but I think we're going to get a very good glimpse of it. You know, Josh Allen at one end. Uh, one linebacking spot, Trayvon Walker at the other, uh, you know, Foyer in the mix. I mean, Andre Cisco in that secondary, Rayshon Jenkins. I think it's going to be a, a nice little glimpse, even for a dozen plays or so, of what this defense is really capable of. So the first cut date for training camp is this Tuesday. So this this preseason game is going to be very important for uh, all a lot of these guys. Now, the Jaguars only have to go from 90 down to 85 on Tuesday. So only five players are uh, going to be in that first wave of cuts. But you never want to be in the first wave of cuts, especially when there only have to be five guys that have to go. So uh, these reps are going to be very competitive. 
these players that are farther down the depth chart right now have a lot to lose and a lot riding on this game. So those guys that are playing in the fourth quarter, they're not just playing for respect. They're playing for jobs at this point. So that that's something that I'll be keeping an eye on. Um, you know, we've talked about like just, just to name a few guys that I think should be on the bubble or are on the bubble and are going to need to play really well to kind of make sure they stick around. I'd say like Matt Colburn, who they just brought in, he should watch out. Uh, Bador Treor, he's actually dealing with an injury, but he wasn't playing very well before it. Offensive lineman, definitely on the bubble. Ryan McDaniel, another guy. I mean, that's just to name three guys off the, you know, just off the kind of top of my head. Grant Morgan, another guy. And, you know, one draft pick that I'd say really on the bubble, I don't think he's going to be a first wave cut guy, but Gregory Jr. is a guy that they've released that second depth chart and he's still at the very bottom of the depth chart. Hasn't done a whole lot on the practice field. I think just because of the draft uh, draft capital that they spent on him, he will stick around, but he is not a guy who has, who has earned any sort of job security so far through training camp. So he's a guy who's on that bubble. Um, I don't think he's in jeopardy just yet. Again, I think, I think he'll stick around Justin, but he's definitely not comfortable right now. No. And you know, he did have a good pass breakup in the end zone uh, Wednesday during training camp. So we yep. kind of made us shake our heads. Say, okay. Greg, Greg's playing ball here. I mean, he did come from Wichita Baptist, a tiny school, their first ever draft, uh, selection and and he obviously was not a, a high round pick he was a day three guy we knew the adjustment would be would be a significant I don't think he's going to be in that first wave of cuts but I would uh, significantly worry about that final 53 uh, as a Greg Jr. you slide down that depth chart um, you know I I think from a situation on Friday night I think a, the kicking situation could be uh, very significant I think right. um, you know Ryan Santoso probably wins the job with a good performance on Friday night. You know, we've seen he's got the leg in camp. Um, he just needs to work on that accuracy. Um, yeah, I just, I, Elliot, I, I, Elliot Fry, I just don't see him sticking around. I don't know if he's going to be there the entire preseason, but I do think that uh, with a good performance on Friday night, Ryan Santoso could probably uh, pull ahead for good in that kicking, uh, kicking situation. Um, and, uh, and then, and kind of uh, button that up. Yeah, you know, Ryan's got a strong leg. We've seen those 55, 60-yard attempts, and uh, they've had the uh, they've had the length on them. Uh, Elliot Fry leaving, you know, training camp on Wednesday, leaving about a 45-yarder short of a field goal, and you can't have that. I mean, the Jaguars' kicking situation has not been uh, not been one of uh, merit to boast of, uh, especially in this preseason. But uh, you really would like to see a kicker. You know, Santoso has got the leg. We know he can get it the distance, just has to work on the accuracy. But if you're Elliott Fry, you're not even getting a ball to that 45-yard field goal barrier. I think uh, I think that's an issue. So I do think that situation could uh, be resolved as early as Friday night. And the other guys you mentioned, you know, um, Bodor Treor. I mean, there's there's some training camp guys that I think are are on that immediate first bubble of five. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I don't think Gregory Jr. is there just yet. Uh, but I do think he's got to struggle to make that final 53. You're right. I think that kicking battle is one that uh, could. It, I, I don't know if Santoso has been consistent enough to instill the confidence to just put an end to the battle. But I'll say that Elliot Fry has been inconsistent enough that they may be trying to bring a new kicker in for that battle. If uh, if he ends up missing a kick can't come the game time on Friday. 
Well, and I, I don't think either. And, and I do think it could go the other way, too. I think a bad game by Ryan Santoso could make the Jaguars kind of say, OK, we got two guys on the roster right now. Neither of them we're comfortable with. Who else is out there? So I do think it could swing that the, the pendulum could swing the other way, too. So I do think that kicking situation is fluid. And uh, just as we say, Elliot Fry is you know the odd man out. I don't think Ryan Santoso is comfortable by any reason. I do like his leg strength a little bit better. Um, but again, that's not a that's not a situation where I feel any kind of comfort either which way they go. Right, right. Well, we'll have to see how it all kind of shakes out. Um, it should be a very interesting preseason game, especially at least early on, since the starters are playing a much more entertaining than that Hall of Fame game was. Um, hopefully the Jaguars can score before the end of the first half. <laughs> You know, because that, that, yes. that was rough out there. I know there were a lot of Jaguars fans up there in Canton, and many of them were quite upset. <laughs> yes. And that, you know, to be expected, I, it was a, you know, you're trotting out a, a second and third team crew, and, you know, you're getting a couple defensive guys on the field for a few plays. You're not running your, your heavy one guys, and, right. uh, you know, Trevor, I mean, you're starting Jake Luton, um, a third team guy. So, you know, CJ Beathard would be would be another guy who I'd like to see a little bit from. He's been hobbled in camp, still not full strength, but he's uh, he's not as rusty as he was last week. Um, he's throwing the ball a little bit better. We didn't see Jay, Jake Luton practice at all on Wednesday. Um, EJ Perry got the, quite a few reps, the, the newly signed fourth stringer. Um, so the the backup quarterback job, I think I, I'd like to see C.J. Beathard in action um, just to get him some live reps. God forbid Trevor uh, does something where he misses any time because I think that's a – a scary situation to be in if you're a Jaguars uh, fan or coach uh, having to turn to somebody else on this roster, a quarterback other than Trevor Lawrence. Hey, look now, last year when C.J. Beathard had to come in the game to relieve Trevor, he came in throwing bombs. So, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not exactly a C.J. Beathard truther, but I'm just saying last year he didn't look so bad and he looked better than he I did expected him to look. He did not. You're right. He actually looked pretty good. He came in. He was like two for two right off the bat. Yeah. Um, he, but, he didn't have an incompletion last season, you know. Um, that's, that is true. <laughs> that is definitely true. I, I don't know how, you know, it's kind of the Gard, Gardner Minshew syndrome. I, I think <laughs> I, I think it would be, you know, quarter, teams don't have the read on him. And then, uh, you know, with a, a week or two of scouting, they do get that read on on uh, on a backup quarterback and figure him out. So um, I just I hate to uh, to envision a situation where CJ's got to play for any length of time, especially with this team, because they don't have those pieces around, uh, you know, around Trevor yet to, uh, to be able to absorb a, a big loss to an offensive guy. And we saw it last year. James goes down. I mean, the backfield was absolutely atrocious after he went down. Uh, Travis Etienne goes down in the preseason and put everything on James. You just don't have that depth. So Jacksonville just not in position to absorb any kind of uh, massive, massive loss like that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, this is our first uh, full show since Tony Baselli went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, pretty cool moment that the first Jaguar officially there. One of the things that Tony kind of mentioned is that, you know, he thinks Fred, Jimmy, or Tom Coughlin even could should be in the Hall of Fame at some point in the future. Uh, who do you think it will be that next Jaguar? Will it be one of those trio or will Jacksonville be waiting for a long time? I, you know, uh, Tom Coughlin, yes, I, I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But um, does he go in but, as a giant or does he go in as a Jaguar? He go, absolutely goes in as a, as a giant. He went two Super Bowls, 
how can yeah. you not? I mean, it, it's great that what he did in Jacksonville really um, kind of set the tone here, two AFC championship games and uh, in four years for the Jaguars, a 14-2 and two season in 99. Wheels fell off after that, and it was kind of an unceremonious exit. Then he comes back, makes an AFC championship game as, a, as, as an EVP, so that was really cool. But you got to go in as a giant if you're Tom Cawtham. I mean, he's from up in that area. You win two Super Bowls. I mean, I think that's a no-brainer. But Jacksonville would be able to claim him. Um, I think Fred Taylor is the most logical choice to go in for the Jags. I think it's it's probably only a matter of time before Fred gets in. I think as uh, you know, as time goes by and people really, you know, he shed the moniker of fragile Fred. I think um, you know, just in time. I mean, he was he was not healthy a little bit of time when he was here. There's no question about that. He was banked up. He was. Uh, he played through injuries and everything, but the guy is is top 20 all time in NFL rushing yardage. I mean, I know he's, it's fallen a little bit in the last few years since he's been retired. He's dropped a little bit down those standings, but what he did, I mean, it's so many guys ahead of him on that rushing list are all in the Hall of Fame. So I think it's, you know, I think Tony is now in. I think that uh, kind of that that seal has been broken on, uh, you know, Jacksonville not having a Hall of Famer. So I do think. Uh, that Fred will be the next true Jaguar to get in. And I think he is in within the next five years. I, it, I, I do think Tom, Tom Coffin goes in eventually. Uh, I think he goes in as a giant, but I do think yeah. Fred is the next Jaguar guy to get in. And I do think it will be uh, a shorter wait for him uh, than it was for Tony, for sure. No, you're right. I mean, I think I think it's Fred Taylor hands down. I th- like you said, I think Tom Coughlin's a giant. The Super Bowl trophies make him a giant at the end of the day. Um, but I do think Fred Taylor gets in eventually. I think Fred should have been in already. Um, I understand that he's considered kind of underrated because of the other running backs who were playing at that time. Guys like Curtis Martin, LaDainian Tomlinson, Jamal Lewis, Edron James. I mean, there were a lot of good running backs, but Fred Taylor, seven 1,000 yard seasons. I mean, but he only got the single Pro Bowl, but that doesn't take away from the numbers. I mean, he was dynamic. He was one consistently one of the best running backs of that era. Um, you know, I don't know how he continues. He could continue to get passed on. I think now that Tony is off the table and really you can see the full force of that uh, Sam Kavaris push in that Hall of Fame voting room go, go behind <laughs> Freddie now. Maybe this can get uh, can push Fred into the end zone. Uh, for the I do, th- I do I do think um I do think Fred gets there and I think probably Got sooner to. rather than later and I don't I do think it's the small market bias but I mean people who never saw Fred in person and you know just kind of hear that fragile Fred moniker which uh, stuck around for quite some time he was dynamic uh, he would have won rookie of the year his first season if not for an otherworldly season by Randy Moss yes the one Pro Bowl hurts Fred Taylor but Again, he was so good during the time he was in the league. And uh, I think that, you know, again, I liken it to almost the Buffalo Bills. You get to the uh, you get to the the Super Bowl four times in a row and lose four times, you know, and they were the, the lovable losers for so long. But I think when you look at them and in the context of now and what they accomplished four years in a row, even though you lost four games in the Super Bowl in, uh, in consecutive years, mm-hmm. you just don't get to the Super Bowl that many times. And even though you lost – yeah, and I think that's with Fred. I think when you look at him in hindsight, what he did was just yeah, – you almost didn't respect him then, but you have to have gained an appreciation for him um, just in these years since. It, I have. I know a lot of people have, and I do think he cracks that, uh, that second Jaguar in the Hall of Fame here soon. 
Yeah, hopefully uh, sooner rather than later, we can make another trip up to Canton for Fred Taylor to get that bust in the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. All right, that'll wrap up this episode of uh, the News for Jags podcast. Again, the Jaguars will take on the Cleveland Browns on Friday for their second preseason game of the year. We will have to wait and see how that one shakes out, but we will check in with you after that game wraps up. So we'll see you next time.